eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their All right. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening, brunch time, lunch time, coaching change time. Maybe not the coach that we would have predicted time. Uh, sometimes uh, surprises happen at Tennessee time. Whatever time of day, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Really beautiful day outside. Doesn't quite mirror what we saw on Saturday at Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee, as you know by now, I'm sure, uh, lost a uh, 34-7 to shocker uh, to Kentucky. And uh, you started wondering when some, some pieces were going to fall, and well, now some, some pieces are already starting to fall. It's not just me on this podcast, though. We got plenty of other guys here to talk about it with me. We got coworkers Patrick Brown from his undisclosed location, Ryan Callahan from his, uh, his clown car full of children abode there on the other side of town. Fellas, what's up? Oh, nothing. It's just another Monday. Braves lost. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring The best players hurt. It's just, it's all, hello, darkness, my old friend. It's all happening. I would I would say the same about the Titans because Taylor LeJuan tore his ACL, but at least they're 5-0 and and fun to watch for like maybe the first time in 20 years or something. They're they're a lot of fun. Can we can we cut the Tannehill MVP nonsense? <laughs> I'm not saying that, but hey, He's not on. even the MVP of his own team. That would, be, that would be 22. Y'all are crazy. Hey, 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 Derrick Henry was there before Mariota lost the starting job, and it was Tannehill that changed him. So that's another discussion for another day. But that's – I don't know. You can make the case for Tannehill being that team's MVP. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give you all a, a bit of a, a warning heads up uh, going into <laughs> this, is that my, um, my, my wife is normally uh, here on, uh, on Mondays. But uh, she's recently changed her schedule, and now she is also uh, working a little bit from the office early in the week, which means that it's just me to monitor what has become the loudest dog on the planet. So uh, you are going to hear Gus as a fourth member of this podcast. I'm just there's no way around it. You're throwing your wife under the bus again. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I could I could put him in the in the the basement, the newly dried basement. Uh, so, so there's that. Uh, so I was just giving you all a heads up about that. But the, the big news with Tennessee football, uh, very obviously, is that, you know, we started saying on Saturday, well, this is going to change something. I don't know what it's going to change, but some, this is about to get not fun. Uh, I don't think we still saw it. I don't think we saw it taking the, the turn that it took Sunday, though. Defensive line coach Jimmy Brumbaugh is out at Tennessee after just four games. Uh, he arrived at Tennessee uh, back in the, the, the winter there, and or, or spring, early spring, late winter, however you want to call it. Uh, he just got to Knoxville, and he is now going to go. And Jeremy Pruitt is going to be the highest-paid defensive line coach in college football for the rest of the season. Guys, I think we are all in agreement here that Tennessee's defensive line has not been as good as – you know, most of us thought it could be. I don't think any of us thought it would be great, but thought it could be a pretty solid group. Uh, even after the the uh, the the off season personnel change there, when Emmett Gooden had to had to be dismissed from the program, still a lot of experience back, uh, a lot of pieces back, uh, a lot of guys who played a lot of football, and we thought 
that it might be better. And we heard going into preseason camp, or at least early in preseason camp, I should say, that Pruitt was not thrilled with the defensive line. He wanted to see more there. He wanted to see better play. He wanted that group to give the offensive line a better look on a daily basis. So he's been pretty consistently critical of that bunch. But uh, something had to go really wrong that we don't fully know about for this to happen because I just refuse to believe in a year like this, in a coach in a first year, uh, it can't just be something on the field. It can't be. Yeah, and and Jeremy Pruitt pretty much said as much on Monday when he, he kind of pointed to the old philosophical fit standpoint uh, as sort of the reason for the move. Um, I, you, you guys have covered this program a little bit longer than me, a lot longer than me in Wes's case because you're old. Hashtag old. Um, but this was my <laughs> first in-season firing, I think. Uh, so yeah, I thought I'd seen it all. Uh, not so fast. Um, so, but uh, yeah, four games, eight months for Jimmy Brumbaugh and uh, you know Tennessee now is uh, like I said, like you said, Wes, the defensive line wasn't playing maybe as well as it could, maybe as well as it should, uh, given what they have over there, even without Emmett Gooden. Um, but I, I clearly think this is not move based just on per you know performance because if it was, there would be some other coaches that would be in a lot more. Uh, hot water over there than uh, the Broombaugh. But, uh, yeah, it's I, I'm going to be interested to see kind of how they go from there. I would think Tennessee is going to handle it on an interim basis for the remainder of the season and then try to go hire a more permanent replacement after the season. I don't know who you're going to get at this point. I don't know how much uh, Pruitt can really focus on getting anybody at this point. He's got a game to prepare for on Saturday. Yep. You do um, have an open date next week if you true, theoretically – you know, can you get can you get somebody to, to move during the middle of the season? So yeah. uh, it might be Pruitt kind of running the show a little bit in drills, and he's going to – you know, they have some GAs and analysts they can also use, and um, I'm, I'll, I'll be interested to see how, how they handle it moving forward. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to say it was a surprise because it sounds like this was something that wasn't – you know, didn't just happen all of a sudden on Sunday. Correct. Uh, may have been a situation where things were uh, sort of building to this point, but um, – Anytime a coach is, is out after four games, it's kind of odd. So uh, that that's sort of my take on it. Yeah, and I'll yeah. say I'll, I'll say this too, Ryan. I, I know that I I, I covered. Uh, you talk about how old I am, Pat. I, I've covered Brumball now at a couple places uh, when he was a really up and comer, uh, really up and, and coming young coach uh, at Chattanooga years ago. I, I covered him, and he's been a guy who FC West, uh, FC West, FCS West, and it. it so he's been a guy that I've been around before. I got respect for him. I know throughout the game there's respect for him. He was the guy Pruitt was really excited about bringing into the program. May not have been number one on the list, but was up there near the the top echelon of guys that he wanted to get, and he was really happy to do it. Uh, but something has something has gone very wrong here because if you're talking about just performance, Ryan – uh, you would be talking about well, what's going on with the QBs, what's going on with the O line, what's going on. You could even say with the wide receivers in some cases. You know the the tight ends. Why have they not been able to develop uh, and recruit better tight ends there and get better production from that position? There's a long list of things we could go down. A lot of them on the offense, um, but I, it's just it's just weird to me because for this to happen right now, uh, something's going on. Yeah, I I don't think anyone should look at this and say man, I didn't think there'd be a firing just because they lost to Kentucky and, and assume that this is like a, you know, a, a, a warning shot being fired to the rest of the staff that, Hey, get your stuff in order or someone else could be next. Like, I, I don't think this is anything that would have normally happened uh, after a loss like this. I mean, sure. Saturday was bad. There's no way around that, but I, I think this is all about it being a fit um, you know, some philosophical differences, some personality differences, whatever it might be. I think it's something that was probably pretty obvious, something that's probably been uh, maybe an issue for a while or at least a concern for a while for, for Jeremy Pruitt that maybe, uh, you know, bubbled to the surface a little bit more with, uh, with there being some adversity. I, I think those things tend to become, you know, those, those things that are maybe smaller issues when you're winning become big issues when things aren't going well. And so I think it's something that maybe could have, Tennessee maybe could have navigated the rest of the season and been fine there and maybe still made a change in the offseason uh, if things had gone better, but the fact that Saturday went the way it did, you know, what, whatever issues they had may have, may have just become more, more pronounced and, uh, and you just felt the need to go ahead and, and make that change. So uh, yeah, I think clearly this was a case of something, you know, not, not going quite right and not just a, an, an instance of poor performance alone 
resulting in a coaching change uh, that Tennessee felt it had to make. I mean, this is clearly not ideal. Jeremy Pruitt's words on Monday at least indicated uh, when we talk about the possibility of a midseason replacement, his words kind of suggested he's going to be coaching the defensive line for the rest of the season. He, yeah. he didn't say for now. He said the rest of the season. Anybody, so. anybody you want to hire is working right yeah. now. Yeah, I was going to say, unless you're pulling somebody out of retirement or out of uh, out of free agency, essentially, to, to come in for the rest of the season on. And even then, would it be on a permanent basis, you know? Uh, you know how much good is that going to do? And you and you have graduate assistants that can help out with that. You've got quality control assistants that can help out in some ways. So you've got some options there. But yeah, just not an ideal situation to have to go through the rest of the season with you know down one assistant coach essentially, and and for Jeremy Pruitt to have to handle the defensive line himself. So clearly this this is a, a drastic move to make, and I think that tells you something was was definitely off with this for it to to have happened under these circumstances. Yeah, the, you could tell the, the the performance of the defensive line merited some criticism in some areas. I think we can all agree that to to some extent it did not perform as well as it should, but it did seem like there was perhaps a disproportionate amount of mentioning of that situation by Pruitt. Like he would go out of his way to say it sometimes which yeah. let me know that he was really not happy with the way that group was playing. And I could see how there could be some frustration in that group because they would say, what are you talking to us for? Look at your freaking offense, man. You know, what, what's going on here? So this, these are the kind of things that happen when you are trying to change a culture and you feel like you've started changing it and you've got it going in the right direction, and then things like this start happening. They hurt more this time. They hurt more now because you feel like, well – we've been taking steps forward. Why are we taking such a gargantuan step back? And it feels more painful. And I would guarantee you right now, I'd put any amount of money you want on it. Jeremy Pruitt is infuriated right now. He, he knows it's a weird year. He knows that, that, that COVID's affecting everyone. Uh, he knows it's been a weird off season. He couldn't do some of the things he wanted to do, but everybody's had these kind of rules, right? And, and Tennessee is out there and it has gotten the brake speed off of it by Kentucky, which should never, ever happen. I guarantee you he is not a fun guy to be around right now. Uh, but these are the kinds of things that happen when you feel like you've got the thing turned around and then you take a step backward. That's a different level of frustration. When you get somewhere and you can't get to the next level, that's frustrating. But when you take a step back, guys, that's when it gets that's when it gets really thick. Well, that that's, that's sort of the nature of uh, this business. And we heard Will Muschamp. Uh, after South Carolina beat Vanderbilt to say that, you know, when you win, your your food tastes better, uh, your wife likes you more, you know, everything is just better, you know, w- when you win. Um, and when you win, all the good things you do are sort of amplified and some of the bad things you did sort of get, I don't want to say looked over, but you don't think about them as much. Um, and then when you lose, all the negatives are are exacerbated and things get um, you know, people get frustrated and, and, and in Tennessee's case, you're coming off a 27 point loss to Kentucky, which is really bad. Yes. Uh, and now you got to play Alabama, which is, uh, just beat Georgia pretty handily, I should say. Um, so it's not a great position to be in. And, uh, I would say if, if you know, tensions are, are going to be running high over there this week, um, as if they weren't already coming off the Georgia game. So, um, and sometimes stuff happens in a college football program. This is, yeah, this is a lot of egos, a lot of testosterone going on over there. Um, and sometimes when uh, when you lose games and, and things start going bad, um, and that's not to say this thing is careening off the cliff, but um, this is sort of a blip that Tennessee is going to have to work through, and, and now they're going to have to do it with uh, in the in the wake of this in-season staff change. Yeah, Pat, you, you made me uh, think about this. I, I guess the only other mid-season change I've seen would have been one of my first year's covering Tennessee 2005 when Randy Sanders yep. got fired. Yep. Um, and that was a very clear performance. I was in thing. high school then. So I don't know what you two jokers were doing. Yeah. That makes me feel pretty old, but uh, I had voted. Yeah. I had voted in two presidential elections by that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like I said, you're old Wes. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, am, this I is, am. this is very different. And, uh, and I think that shows you how rare it is to make an, an in-season change to begin with. That was one that sort of took a while to build up to that point. And Tennessee was struggling for a while offensively. You know, this one, sure. There've been some comments here and there. And, and as, as Wes alluded to, I, I think those were, that those, those were comments that caught my attention a little bit because you don't, you don't often hear Jeremy Pruitt call out a position group that strongly that repeatedly times. Yeah. yeah uh, that, that was, it was always odd. He had some, some interesting comments Saturday too, after the game where he 
uh, where he, he was saying they're not, they're not physical up front and, and not, you know, not dominating people up front the way you need to in the sec. And that's, uh, that, that all got my attention, but I still didn't think it would lead to this. So I think that again, underscores that, that something was just off there. Um, yeah, and I'm sure like Wes said, I, I think, I think Jeremy Pruitt has got to be furious about this situation because again, it's, it's not ideal in any way. Tennessee does have to, I mean, they can, they can definitely make up for it. You've got enough people involved in a, in a football operation that you're going to be able to make up for it. But for the head coach to be coaching the defensive line during the season, a position that he's really not coached at the college level, that's, that, that's not ideal. And, and it's not ideal for, you know, maybe GAs to be helping more at other positions, you know, maybe in the secondary. I, I've wondered about that. You know, Derek Ainsley normally works with the safeties while Pruitt works with the cornerbacks a lot. Yep. Does this mean a guy like Nate Andrews at, at graduate assistant or someone like that? takes on more on-field responsibilities to sort of absorb what Pruitt can't do uh, while he's focusing on the defensive line, you know, things like that. That's not ideal. And it's not ideal for Tennessee to still be in on some important recruits out there that I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes that, that Tennessee's having to, you know, get by through that without having a full-time defensive line coach. So this is, it's an odd situation and Tennessee's players, I'm, I'm sure, are, are a little bit, you know, maybe scratching their heads about this, but they also may have seen some issues before. Who, who knows? Uh, but this is definitely not a, not where you want to be at two and two, having to deal with, you know, kind of the perception that you've got some, uh, so a lack of stability maybe within your program. I think the the look of this from the outside is a little bit concerning too. Yeah, that's going to be a concern. Is why someone that you just hired, someone that had a pretty good resume, someone that you paid a good amount of money to, and it's already come to this in a year like this where everyone is reticent to make any kind of a major financial move that that you know because because a lot of departments are just bleeding money right now let's just call it what it is a lot of businesses are the world right now look at some of the you know the the trade deficits and stuff like it, it's bad right now so you don't want to be doing this right now you just don't so that makes you feel like okay well that's something they felt like they had to do then something is wrong big picture Big picture, Tennessee has shown before that after Georgia State last year, it, it it can rally around the flag a little bit. It can, you know, next week against BYU, it's still it was a much better performance. Still lost a game they shouldn't have lost, but they played better. And then later in the year, they were they were playing pretty good football. So big picture, you got to ask, how did this game game sneak up and bite you the way Georgia State did? Because the games felt a little similar in some ways, uh, as we've talked about several times. But what I'm wondering now, guys, is what does this sort of mean tangibly for the rest of the season, both on the field and recruiting? Ryan touched on the fact that something I was going to ask is, is you know, now you've got Pruitt working with the D-line, which is all well and good. I think he's perfectly capable of coaching any position on the defense. But now you're going to have a new cornerbacks coach because Jeremy Pruitt is Tennessee's cornerbacks coach. So now someone else will be doing that. Maybe Ansley does both. Maybe they have a GA help with one of those. Nate Andrews, someone like that you've mentioned, Ryan. So it changes things in that way, and that's going to be interesting because they got problems in the secondary. A lot of problems in the secondary that they need to they need to fix quickly, uh, especially going into this week when just those Bama receivers, that looks rough. Like what's going to happen with that group this week? But now, Ryan, with recruiting, what does this mean? Because Brumbaugh's a guy who was thought of as a guy who would not only come in and be a good position coach, but a guy who would improve on an older Tracy Rocker's kind of sliding or declining performance on the recruiting trail. I'm not sure that necessarily happened. I don't know how much better or worse he was, but it didn't seem huge to me. What does this mean for recruiting now? Yeah, I, I think it complicates some things. Now, now, like you said, I don't think Brumbaugh came in and made, made a huge splash in recruiting. I, I think he also did come into a tough situation where so many times these days you're playing from behind uh, with, with the first recruiting class you inherit, you know, whether you're an assistant coach or a head coach. That first class, you're always playing catch-up because so many relationships start in their players' sophomore and junior year these days that just making up for that lost time is tough. So he had, you know, three or four months to try to get a guy like Javari Ritzy that was a major priority for this staff um, and, and did a good job with some of those guys and finished second, you know, Peyton Page that, went, that committed to Clemson. He was in some big battles and Tennessee finished second for a few good guys. And he had Tennessee in the mix for guys like Tyron Ingram Dawkins and Taiwan Malone, who were among the highest ranked players left on Tennessee's board. So uh, it was maybe too early to say that he wasn't making an impact, but he certainly hadn't made a splash yet. So uh, only time would have told, you know, what, 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 would have changed about that, but at least for now, it doesn't look like it's, uh, you know, losing him is necessarily going to be the big issue. But the issue to me is 
just not having a defensive line coach in place, what do you tell defensive linemen about what the future at that position is going to look like? Um, you know, I, I will say this, Brumball had good enough relationships with guys and made good enough impressions on some guys that it, it kind of got, you know, meeting with him, got Tennessee back in the mix for Peyton Page. It got Isaac Washington to commit right away again after he had decommitted following Rocker's departure. So he, he did have some good interactions with players to make you think that he could be a better recruiter uh, over time, but he just hadn't, hadn't made a splash just yet. But yeah, for, for now, with two months left, less than two months until the early signing period, with National Sign Day still a few months away, some big battles still to be decided. And how does Tennessee beat out some of the heavy hitters it's going up against when you don't have a defensive line coach in place? That, that, that's a challenging spot to be in. So I don't think it's ideal. I don't know that it makes a, a, an earth-shattering difference in Tennessee's recruiting overall, but for now it at least makes it harder to come out on top of some of those big battles they're right in the thick of. So that, we'll be watching that the next several weeks to see how that how that shakes out. It, it, early reaction from some of Tennessee's commitments on the defensive line, pretty positive so far, but, uh, but the, the, the long-term story of this is how it impacts Tennessee's needed additions. They still need more help on the defensive line, and how, how well can they do filling those needs down the stretch with now some things to smooth over with some targets who knew Jimmy Brumbaugh pretty well and want to know who their position coach would be. Yeah, I think when you look at the defensive line, you know, you could make an argument that – you know, a lot of those seniors are guys who absolutely should come back next season and play another senior season, which they'll have the opportunity to do. It won't cost Tennessee in terms of numbers because of the NCAA rule. So in that case, it's maybe it's it's okay. Maybe it doesn't hurt as much as usual. But defensive line, as we all know, is a very developmental position. You need big, strong, physical men. So you either need to develop guys or you need to get just absolute freaks of nature who can come in and do it early. So you never, ever, ever want to punt a class on the line of scrimmage. So to me, from the outside looking in, which is I don't really – that's sometimes how I view recruiting stuff because you and Ryan and, and, and some other guys you know, do this every day and are really in the thick of this. But I'm just saying as someone who's been around the game for a while, maybe it doesn't you know kill you as much if you don't have a great D-line class this year because – you got some guys who can come back next year and be seniors again, but it's it's a priority every year. It has to be, right? Well, it it is, and I was going to say this year. It this is kind of, you kind of been kicking that can down the road a little bit the past couple of years because Tennessee has had some misses on the defensive line. So the fact that you get those seniors, you know, to maybe come back or a few of those seniors to come back next year because of the extra year of eligibility that helps to absorb the blow if you don't have a huge defensive line class this year. But this was a year they kind of needed to address that position and still do. They've got, you know, it looks like three defensive linemen maybe in this class right now, depending on where Daryl Jackson ends up sliding in. He was maybe an edge rusher who's, who seems to be growing into a defensive lineman, so probably three right now in this class. Uh, so you need a couple more, I think, ideally. And, and uh, you know, again, they're in on some big names that could still fill those spots. But uh, if you strike out, you know, do you end up taking fewer than that, you know, for the third straight year maybe? Uh, they've kind of come up short the last couple of years. And just because they had some of those guys left over that the previous staff had recruited, it wasn't such a glaring need. Well, now those guys were preparing to leave and you needed a big class this year, except for that extra year of eligibility. So you're bailed out, but how long can you keep kicking that can down the road? That's a tough one. I I would want to probably sign a couple more defensive linemen in this class. I think that's a good thought to end the first segment on guys. Obviously we've gone 22 minutes or so here and we've not mentioned, uh, to my knowledge, we've not said the words Jarrett Garantano yet, and uh, that's very clearly something people still want to talk about. Uh, we spoke with Jeremy Pruitt just a couple hours ago uh, on Monday afternoon, so we've got some new stuff on that, and we'll talk about what Pruitt said. We'll talk about uh, what it means, and, and we'll talk about just what options Tennessee does have at, at quarterback going forward. We're going to talk about that in the second segment. Before that, though, let's uh, let's go pay some bills. Hashtag This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, joined uh, on Al Gore's internets here by Patrick Brown and Ryan Callahan talking Tennessee football uh, which is not uh, maybe as fun as it was a couple weeks ago, but hey, that's that's life. Uh, there's plenty more to discuss here in the second segment. We're going to get to that. Before that, though, just want to remind you to please go in there and hit that subscribe button to this podcast, whether whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you can cast a fine pod, ladies and gentlemen, you can find this podcast. And it's growing every week. I'm looking at the numbers month over month, year over year. It's just crazy how much how much more popular and how much how big this podcast is getting and we appreciate every bit of that but the one thing you can do to really help us though other than telling your friends and family and everyone else uh, is you can hit the subscribe button you can rate and you can review this podcast nothing that you can do will help us more than doing that so please just take a couple minutes out of your day we've all got extra time these days please go in there and do that that would help us a lot Uh, we'll also uh, keep monitoring those for for you know show ideas interview ideas uh, maybe some merch giveaway at some point, all kinds of neat stuff that we can do there. Um, but we need you to keep doing that. I, I see the numbers are growing with that too, um, but I'd like them to grow more. So please continue to go in there and do that, and that would help us. Guys, we spoke with Jeremy Pruitt on Monday afternoon, talked about clearly the defensive line situation, which you know we had to because you don't normally make a coaching change like that on your staff four games into a season. But quarterback also came up because it had to. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt saying that he did not commit to Garantano being the starter against Alabama this week, um, but he did not commit to uh, to not playing him either. So I, I'm not really surprised. Pruitt, to me, maybe he was a bit kinder to Garantano than I thought he would be, but in general, it didn't surprise me. He doesn't really, you know, he, he's never, he's not going to go out of his way to, to hurt the confidence of those guys, I don't think. But uh, he's in a pickle now, and I don't think he hid that, did he? Well, no, I, I think the big comment was um, that he, he's saying he wasn't ready to put Jared Garantano on the shelf. Um, the holidays are coming up. I don't know if he's trying to make that a decoration kind of thing. Yep. Um, that would that, somebody, that would go that would go for a lot of money in Knoxville right now. And as some and as somebody pointed out on the checkerboard, uh, the shelf is a different piece of wood than the bench, which I thought was an astute observation. Um, but a lot of Tennessee fans ha- are done with him. <laughs> Yep. To, to put it mildly, have been done with him. Uh, and so as, as Pruitt started going down that road of uh, I'm not done with him, he's won games for us, he's, you know, he's got, you know, he can, he can play good football, I've seen it. As he started going down that road, I started kind of, I don't say cringing a little bit, but kind of wincing. So, um, you know, it was just kind of one of those deals where, uh, it, you know, he, he's not going to go out there and, and trash the guy. Let's that, you know, I don't know what you want. I don't, I don't know what he's supposed to say. Uh, he's not going to come out there and be like, I'm putting his name in the transfer portal myself. He's not going to burn him uh, in effigy. He, yeah. He's not going to say, Hey, we changed all the, uh, the key codes on the, on the complex. So we can't get in the door. Like he, he, you know, you're not going to do that and you're not going to do anything to sort of, uh, torpedo the kid's confidence. But, uh, and, and even last year, you know, after the, was it after the Georgia game? He said that uh, Jared Garantano was going to help us win some football games, and it turned out a week later he was proven right when Garantano came off the bench and uh, helped them beat Mississippi State. Uh, of course, Mississippi State is not Alabama, so uh, that's obviously the big caveat to this season. Uh, I, I just I, I don't see how you can go back to him at this point. I, I think you just gotta. I don't, I don't know what more you need to see. Um, you can make the claim that he is your best chance of winning games, but. Uh, after the last two weeks, can you really make that argument? Um, and I think the question now really, and we talked a little bit about this in our last podcast after the game on Saturday, Wes, at what, you know, I think we've, we've reached the point where the vitriol or the questioning shouldn't be aimed at Garantano. It should be aimed at the coaches who continue to play him, having seen the bad of what he's capable of 
um, and the coaches who have yet to recruit and or develop uh, a better quarterback who can give you a better chance of winning. And, um, you know, and, and in some of those cases, Tennessee's not had some good luck with, uh, with Brian Maurer and with Harrison Bailey being limited in the preseason. They didn't get a lot of reps. Um, but, uh, man, you just – at some point, I, I just – I can't see – I can't see how they're going to start Garantano, but just reading what Pruitt said Monday, it kind of sounds like that's the way they're leaning. And of course, again, it's Monday, a lot of week left, but uh, I just I, – I don't, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, and the, the big comments from Pruitt that caught my attention, I mean, obviously the people will take the not ready to put Garantano on the shelf comment as the big one, but the, the thing that stood out to me was, again, him underscoring how little work Brian Maurer and Harrison Bailey in particular got during preseason camp. And that to me is him making the case that these guys aren't ready and can't take the job right now. And not that Maurer would necessarily be the next one in line. Uh, we know he's been behind a little bit and obviously they played three quarterbacks Saturday and he wasn't one of them, but Bailey's the one everybody's looking toward after seeing Shrout throw the interception on his first pass attempt Saturday and not a particularly good decision there. Um, and understandably so. He threw a nice ball down the sideline to Malachi Weidman. There's some talent there clearly that people are intrigued by, and they've kind of looked at him as the you know maybe the next one in line since he uh, committed to Tennessee almost two years ago. So there's a lot there that people want to see. He's the exciting, shiny new toy, and that's how fans kind of react in these situations most of the time. But I think his comments there were pretty telling, and I think they still believe Harrison Bailey – might not be ready uh, based on that that comment. I'm I'm with you, Patrick. I I think Tennessee has probably seen enough. Uh, I, certainly going into this game, I, I don't think I, I don't think you make the cautious choice in hopes that you're going to pull uh, a massive upset against Alabama. I, I don't see it. I mean, you can't coach that way. You have to coach to win the game. But let's face it, I don't like Tennessee's chances of keeping score with one of the best offenses in the country, maybe, maybe the best offense in the country. So. To me, this game's all about getting ready for an Arkansas game in two weeks that now looks really important and a lot more difficult than we thought it was going to be. And so if I'm thinking about making a switch during the open date, if Garantano has another bad game or something like that, I'm just going ahead and making the switch now personally, but it doesn't sound like Tennessee's leaning that way based on Pruitt's comments. I can't figure that out either, Ryan, because I, you know, I, I can't tell whether Pruitt is saying that uh, he did stop short of saying that that Garantano, he didn't say Jarrett's our quarterback. He has said that before. He's used that exact phrase before, and he did not do that this time. He did not make that that pronouncement. Uh, but what I started thinking, guys, was that, you know, Pruitt said a couple weeks ago, uh, early in the season, he said, you know what, at Tennessee, it's been a, it's been a crazy year for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of fear out there in the world. We're not going to play with fear. We're not going to coach with fear. Fear is not a part of what we do here at Tennessee. I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less what he said. So now, what does that mean in this case? That could mean one of two things. One, it could mean they're not afraid and he's not afraid to go out there and play some young guys, throw them to the wolves against Alabama, be aggressive, because you know you're going to have to score points to win that game. You cannot manage that game. You have to try to put up 40, 50 points. That's what you have to try to do to win that game, because any other way, I don't think you can possibly win that game unless Bama turns it over like six times or five times. So you have to go into it that way. So you're saying we don't have fear. Or two, does it mean I, Jeremy Pruitt, do not have the fear to keep starting Jared Garantano and playing him and dealing with the consequences? It could mean either thing, right? Well, I don't think he's worried about what the reaction is going to be if they start Jared Garantano. I mean, that's you know, his job at Tennessee is to win football games and and he's not Bush. Uh, he's not Bush. He still genuine, genuinely believes that that Derek Garantano is his best chance to win games. That's who he's going to play. Uh, the big question is how can <laughs> after the last two weeks, how can you? And really, after the last what two three years, how can you say that anymore? I mean, uh, would you rather if if you're going to have two three interceptions and fumbles and um, you know huge mistakes every game? Why not let a freshman? Lo- you know, why not let a younger guy do it and then kind of learn and, and grow from it? So um, I, I don't know what more Tennessee needs to see. Um, and, you know, I, I, I again, I, I don't know that every mistake was, was Garantano's fault on Saturday. The fumble was not his fault. The interceptions were. They weren't great. The, the first one wasn't great executed by the receiver. It wasn't a great play call. 
Um, and I broke this down on, on a new feature. I started on, on the site on Monday. X's nose barred it from Jake Rowe, our Georgia site. But uh, Garantano's only looking to the right on that play. If he looks, if he sees that neither of those guys are open, which nearly they are, and he turns back to his left, he's got Jalen Jalen Hyatt on the post for a touchdown. Yep. Um, and it's just, I, it's, I don't know how much more of that you need to see before you say this guy is not our best bet to win games. And, and honestly, you can say that you probably haven't seen enough of of the other guys in a game to know if they are or not uh, your best option. So, uh, but I, I don't know that. Um, I don't know. I don't know about the fear comment. I don't know that I would read too much into what Pruitt said Monday either, um, because he's not going to go out there like we said. He's not going to go out there and, and just rip Garantano. Um, but I don't know what message you're sending to your team if if, if this one player keeps making these high profile mistakes, um, and, and you keep giving him a long leash. I don't know what that says to uh, the rest of your team. And and after those two interceptions on Saturday, I thought Tennessee's body language really wasn't that great. Um, and just the, the ongoing woes at that position just seemed to sap uh, whatever energy had Tennessee, uh, whatever energy Tennessee had early in that game, and it just got sort of sort of desolate there. They got to try something new, I think. I I think that's where they are too, and I I I understand why Tennessee would think, and and you know Jeremy Pruitt made this point again Monday. Jared Garantano's won a lot of games for them uh, last year. They benched him, thought they were moving on. And what happens? It keeps coming in off the bench and keeps bailing them out of some games. So I get why they would think, hey, maybe we don't need to make a rash decision here and move on because we might end up coming right back to him anyway. And when he's not turning the ball over like he did in uh, in, in kind of flurries the last couple of games, we're we're not that bad. He, he didn't turn it over for two games. He made the point that he he's done a good job of not turning it over much in practice. There are reasons to stick with him that I understand especially a coach who hates turnovers as much as Jeremy Pruitt does. I understand the attraction, but again, this keeps happening. It's going to keep happening. I think everyone kind of knows what Jared Garantano is at this point. He's a fifth year senior. There's been no epiphany. There's been no magic flipping of the switch. He kind of is what he, what he is. And that's what we've kind of thought for a while. So at a certain point, you need to see if you can just find something and, and, and get a, uh, you know, so catch lightning in a bottle and find your next quarterback. And maybe it's Harrison Bailey. Maybe it's, maybe it's JT Shrout. Maybe it's none of the above, but I think you've at least got to find out and, and see what else is out there. But I know, I know the Tennessee's coaches obviously aren't, aren't in total agreement with Tennessee's fans on that, but I know certainly the fan base mostly feels that way. And uh, they're, they're not going to be very happy if two trots out there for the first snap Saturday night. Yeah. It's just, you know, and this is, not to rehash what we've talked about several times, but if you keep putting him out there, that means that you've got subpar performance at that position again, and you've not done anything to improve on it. You've not developed someone else to go in there and give you a different look or to go in there and, you know, I mean, say what you will, but last year, you know, Kentucky had its situation and, you know, lost a quarterback and then lost another quarterback. And, you know, what do they do? They said, screw it, put a wide receiver back there ran a high school offense, and won some football games. I mean, y- you can't be afraid to try something different when you know the way you're doing it is going to get you a loss. Because in this game, and, and this is a weird game to go into um, because it's Bama and because it could get probably will get ugly if we're being honest, but in a way maybe that takes some pressure away from you in this situation. Maybe some of us have been looking at this wrong. Maybe you say, you know what? The only way to win this game is either to score 45 points or more or Bama turns it over three or four times. This isn't a game where you can manage it and burn clock and try to live in third and two and third and three and move the sticks and frustrate Bama and wear them down. They got depth. You're you're not going to do that. You're going to have to put points on the board. You're going to have to throw things against the wall to see if they stick because that's the only way you're going to go out there and score enough points to win this game, unless you have some some trickery on special teams. You have a defensive score in there, a pick six, which, you know, good luck because those receivers are going to run right behind Tennessee's DBs in a lot of cases. You know, they're in a position right now where I don't know what they have to lose going into this game because later in the season, they're going to have games where they're going to have a lot to lose. In this one, do they? Well, it, you know, I, I don't know that coaching scared is – you know, sticking to your, your veteran and not, or let me rephrase that coaching scared is not being afraid to play your, 
your young guys against Alabama. I don't know that this Alabama defense is a vintage Alabama defense. It's not like the true 2011 group or the, the group that Pruitt had in 2017. It's still pretty good, um, but it's not maybe as vaunted as, as some of those others. But like you said, Wes, their offense is vaunted. They're averaging about 47, 48 points a game, so you're going to need to go score. Um, and I just, you know, I, I get why Tennessee fans are, have had it. I mean, they look around the league and they see what's going on. They see what happened at Florida last year where Kyle Trask comes in and, and lights it up. And now it's playing, you know, one of the best quarter, as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, they see Georgia's got literally their fourth string guy going into the season and are getting results out of him. You know, Bennett was Stetson Bennett was entirely overmatched against Alabama. And I was not overly impressed with him when he played Tennessee, but um, you know, he, he played winning football for, for Georgia for two games there against Auburn and, and Tennessee. So uh, and then even worse, you look at Arkansas, you know, that that's a roster that does not have a lot of talent, but uh, Felipe Franks for all of his issues in the past is playing pretty good ball for them right now. He's giving them a chance to win games. Whereas the last two weeks, Derek Garantano has uh, basically torpedoed Tennessee's chance of winning games. So uh, even look at last season, you know, Brian Maurer is, you know, we've talked about him before. He, he's kind of like, you know, when you put him in the game, it, it's like a roller coaster ride because some stuff's going to happen. Sometimes it's going to be really good. Sometimes it's probably going to be bad. But there's no denying that he he sparked Tennessee last season when they went to him in that Georgia game. Tennessee lost that game. Uh, he obviously took the big hit in the fourth quarter. They didn't score in the second half. Um, but that offense had no life coming out of that Florida game last season, right? Um, and Maurer came in there, and you know he may not have been doing anything right, but he brought him some energy, brought him some life. And, and even the next week at, at Mississippi State, he was still – you know, they were still moving the ball with him. Then he gets hurt, uh, and and Garantano's come, you know, able to come off the bench and get the job done. But uh, it's like we talked about Saturday, Wes. What is insanity? Is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I mean, you know, if you're gonna if you put Garantano out there, there is a very good chance he is going to combust, right? I mean, how many times does Tennessee's coaching staff need to see it before they decide, you know, we can't do this anymore? Let's try somebody else and see what they got. I don't, I don't know. And, and like you said, I don't know what you have to lose at this point because no one's giving you a chance to win this game anyway. Yeah, he doesn't create things out of nothing. You know, like, because when you play football and you play another good team, you need 11 guys to execute. Other guys are not going to execute sometimes. Guys are going to miss blocks. You know, receivers are going to slip or they're going to run, run the wrong route. Backs are going to go the wrong way. You're going to have things around you. You know, there's chaos around you when you're the quarterback. And your job is to sort of – mesh that together right you 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 kind of try to keep everything contained and you try to keep you know emotionally you know just physically you try to keep the thing together and when things unravel around garantano he does not find a way usually to to make something happen you know you don't see him sort of escaping the pocket out of nowhere and kind of instinctually telling the running back hey 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 cut your right off here and go there and pointing at him and then making a play. Other guys who aren't even as talented as him in some ways, they do that. He, he does not – that's not where he shines. And it's like if you're a Tennessee fan at this point, you know, it's like they've been putting something that smells awful in a bag, like a Ziploc bag, and they've been putting it in your face. And they've been saying, smell this. Hey, smell this. Hey, smell this. And it's like, dude, I know that's going to smell bad. I don't want to smell that. But – then they put the same thing in the bag and they say, Hey, we did something to it. Want to smell it this time? It's still going to smell bad. They know it's going to smell bad. So at least put something else in the bag and let them smell that. You know, they're just, they know, I don't want that. I don't want that. I know what's going to happen. Am am I crazy for saying that? Ron, I don't want to follow up that metaphor. So have at it. The metaphor works. A lot of smelling going on there. But the uh, metaphor works. It works. But, uh, it may not. It may but, not be your family standards, fellas. But it works. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'll say this: I empathize with Jarrett Garantano because yes, I, I I really felt bad for him Saturday with all that going on. I mean, he's trying to he's trying to dig his dig himself and his team out of a hole Saturday, and he's getting booed, and, and it's not unwarranted at this point. It's not, but. He showed me a lot last year with how he bounced back. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks would never come back from what he bounced back from at Alabama last year. And he not only came back from that, but played well for Tennessee down the stretch, at least until the bowl game when he had some troubles and got benched again. But he lifted them to a win at Missouri, that they, a game they probably don't win without him throwing for 400 yards. Uh, you know, had some good showings down the stretch and, and helped Tennessee go 8-5 and five last year. So I give him a lot of credit for that, and, and I think he's learned a lot about himself and shown a lot of toughness through all that. So for him to have to be to be having to go through this again as a fifth year senior, 
is tough to watch. But the bottom line is it's a performance-based business. And Tennessee, again, they're sort of beating their head against the wall, I feel like, with him. This has been said, but it's, I, I think it's the bottom line. Tennessee not having a better option than him, I think, is the bigger story here because I think Tennessee's coaches, if they start Garantano again or if they continue going back to him, it continuously says we don't have anybody better, at least not who's ready right now. And, and that, in year three, is tough for fans to swallow, knowing they've had a couple of years to recruit their own quarterback to get somebody else ready, and they're still at this point where they can't move on to the next guy. And, uh, you know, again, I, Harrison Bailey would make some young mistakes. I'm sure of that. I'm sure they feel he's not ready. But look at how many quarterback changes there have been in the SEC. You know, Stetson Bennett, again, as Patrick pointed out, was not going to be Georgia's starter this year. They was not part of their plans, and he ends up playing pretty well. You know, how many quarterbacks come out of situations like this where you just turn to somebody trying to change things up and it works? Something just clicks when you get them out there in a game. Kyle Trask last year, another good example, Patrick pointed out. You've got those situations that play out this way every year in the NFL, in college, heck, in high school. And you, you don't know what you have in some guys until the lights come on, you put them out there in a game. So I think there's at least something to the idea of putting Harrison Bailey in there for a portion of Saturday's game, if nothing else, maybe playing a couple quarterbacks in this game. Even if you start Garantano, get him some playing time, see what you have there, see if he's maybe the guy who can lead you into that Arkansas game if you feel you need to make a change then. Well, you said the thing that you said about Garantano, Ryan, and I, I totally agree. What he did last season, overcoming things, that was impressive. That showed mental toughness. It showed physical toughness because of his injury. A lot of guys would not have been able to do what he did last season. That is 100% true. And then I would add on top of that, how are we still back here now afterward? What yep. lessons were not learned there? Because whatever it is, when it goes bad, it goes really, really bad. And, you know, Garantano, say what you will about him coming back and bouncing back, he's also been given chances to do that. You know, he's been given chance after chance after chance, and I'm sure he's earned it, right? Practice, doing all the right things, I'm sure. I w- but, I will but, say but, this but he keeps to, getting chances. Like when, when, when in, before when Maurer and Shrout and those guys have made mistakes, what, what's, what's happened? They've, they've, they've been taken out of the lineup. They've been, yep. for the most part, but when, then they go back to Garantano, and when he does it, it's just like, well, he, he goes back out there unless it gets really, really bad. And you know what? At some point, you're going to have to say, I know what's going to happen with this guy. I need to see what happens with somebody else. Yeah, and I, I just I, – I don't know uh, – I lost my thought on that. But uh, I, I don't know why they uh, approach it that way either. And it's, it's concerning because, you know, again, people have seen it before. They know what they're getting in Garantano. And there's, uh, there's a lot to – there's a lot to look at at this point. You've got three years of a track record to dissect and it's all, it's all virtually the same. You've, you've seen repeated trends that we know what Garantano is, is at this point. So that's, that's why it's so frustrating for, for fans. Um, but, but with the young guys, you know, again, they're, they're being thrown into some tough spots. And I, I think the big thing here is to me, and maybe this is why Jeremy Pruitt keeps thinking he's going to go back to them or go back to Garantano, you, you see so many things breaking down around him. I think unfair expectations in a way are being put on Garantano because Correct. he's being asked to lift a team that's not doing the heavy lifting around him. He's got a pretty average offense around him right now, frankly, that he's being asked to do a lot to help that group play well. And when they're not playing well and he makes mistakes in part because of it, uh, obviously the blame goes to the quarterback, but because he just does think, other quarterbacks pull their teams out of that. And he doesn't, they do. But I, and again, that goes back to the question, does Tennessee have anybody who can, who can elevate the team around them? And, and I think, again, I think we're at a point where we need to find out the answer to that question, but I think that's, that's the other problem here that maybe the coaches have a hard time looking past the other mistakes that are being made at other positions, because at the end of the day, you do have a bunch of receivers who are not getting consistent separation very often. You have a, 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 an offensive line that's not protecting him very well, very consistently. You have running backs that aren't making a, a ton of exceptional plays, even though they're the most productive players on your offense. It, Jeremy Pruitt keeps pointing out they're not getting any extra yards. If a play is blocked to get six yards, it gets six yards and sometimes five and a half, as he said Saturday. So I mean, to, to be hearing those things repeatedly, that's concerning too. And so you wonder if Garantano's poor play is not 
uh, a symptom of everything going on around him as much as it is a product of him not being very good. So that that's that's the tough part for coaches is you, you try to separate all that. But I, I still think you try something new at this point just to, to have a change up. And, and you got to, uh, you know, Pruitt said and talk, talking about Harrison Bailey the other day uh, that, you know, he didn't, he wasn't really involved in the game plan against Kentucky. Well, why don't, you know, why not give some of those guys a little bit more involvement in the game plan uh, for Alabama? You know, as a fifth year senior, Garantano probably needs the least amount of reps as all those guys, right? Yep. I mean, we, we've yep. seen uh, that there's been so, so, much, so limited game time for Maurer, even though he started four games last season, he didn't finish any of them. Uh, Shroud got, you know, started against South Carolina, then went to the bench, then came back in uh, against UAB. He started what got two series or something like that. Um, his interception the other day was, I mean, you kind of almost expect him to make that because he's not played enough to know that, you know, to come off the guy that you locked in on. I mean, he locked on Josh Palmer pretty much from the jump. Mm-hmm. And if he goes through his reads, he's got Ty Chandler on the check down or T- Jacob Warren running an out route. It was second 21. You don't need to get it all there, but that's a, that's an inexperienced mistake. Um, but your fifth year senior quarterback throwing into a zone where the linebackers reading him the whole way or throwing an out route when it's not open and throwing and he's throwing it late. Um, th- those are different levels of mistakes. They're the same result, but you, you kind of expect JT Shroud to make that mistake because he's not played a lot. Um, and teams are going to play Tennessee a certain way. You know, Kentucky's, uh, we saw this a little bit in the second half against Georgia after Tennessee had a couple of big plays. Georgia was like, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Okay. And so and Kentucky did this too. They did a lot of, a lot of deep zone drops, basically said, you guys aren't, we're going to make you drive down the field on us. Um, and that's maybe the way you got to play. You know, some people would say, you know, why don't you come after Garantano and get him rattled? Well, right now you don't necessarily need to because you can, if you've got a good edge rusher or two, they're going to win their matchups against Tennessee's offensive tackles. You can just rush four, drop seven, yep. uh, and see how many times Garantano is willing to hit the check down. Uh, on the drive before the second pick six, he Ooh. hit it twice for about 20 yards. And then on the third one, he got greedy. It would have been the same exact play if he just, you know, flips it out to, to Eric Gray and said he tries to force one to Jalen Hyatt as pick. Um, that's a mistake you expect somebody with not a lot of experience to make. If, if Harrison Bailey made that throw, you'd say, well, that's a freshman thinking he's got a big play and not seeing the guy or thinking he, you know, trusting his arm too much to maybe get it over or around the guy. Um, that's not something you expect your your third-year starter to be making. Um, and so I, I don't know what, what Tennessee has to lose. If you're going to have those mistakes, why not try to let them, you know, give them to the young guys? And and, uh, and something I think they need to do as a coaching staff too is they need to play call. Um, if you're going to play with these guys, it's imperative that they play call to those guys' strengths. Um, and so looking at Bailey, you know, he – they threw a go route with Malachi Wobb in there. It was a quick three-step drop, throw it up. They had one safety over the top. You know where you're going on that play before the ball snapped. Yep. So uh, you need to, you know, have a check down on every play and say, all right, you've got two reads. Keep it simple. Quarterback, you got two reads. If it's not there, hit the check down. You know, and, and, and with Gray being and, the guy and, who receives it especially, you can make a big play out of that. Yeah, he's got, what, like 11 catches at least, I think, in the past two games. Mm-hmm. I mean – Nothing wrong with a check down for five or six yards. It's a lot better than interception. I mean, and that's for Garantano, Shroud, Maurer, Bailey, everybody. Um, and that's that's that that's to me. If you're if you're going to be having these mistakes, some of these mistakes you expect you would expect a young quarterback to make. You would not expect your fifth year senior starter to be making them. And I think that's even sort of makes it even more unforgivable that he keeps continuing to get chances because he makes mistakes that. He obviously shouldn't be making. Yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel to be good against Tennessee's offense. What you need to do right now, their offensive tackles and tight ends are not pass protecting worth the flip, and the quarterback does not read the those zone coverages very well when you drop a lot, a lot of them back. And they're probably going to have a penalty at some point anyway. So, yeah, you rush four. You feel like that's going to be enough to get to the quarterback. You drop everyone else back. You, you play kind of a zone where he doesn't really know exactly where everybody's going to be. And you just bank on the fact that they're not going to consistently go 14 plays on a touchdown drive to beat you. Well, that, gonna... That's what happened is Georgia gave up a couple of cheapies or not, you know, they weren't cheapies, but you know, man coverage against a guy like Josh Palmer, you know, Palmer's going to win a lot of those matchups yep. regardless of who he's going against. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a throw Garantano can make. He, he can, that's one thing he can do is if it's one-on-one on the perimeter and it's a go route, he can, or a slot fade, 
he's pretty good about giving his guy a chance to make a play. So you want to make him – you want to make it harder on him. And that's something that Tennessee's defense didn't do against Kentucky is they gave Terry Wilson easy throws over the middle all day. Yeah, because Kentucky and was spreading the field to get those matchups. And that's – and that's you know, that, that's what defenses are doing, Tennessee. And um, and I think you got to throw something different at them. You know, they haven't seen these guys. You know, they don't have a lot of film on Bailey. They don't have a lot of film on some of these uh, – on Maurer and Shrout. So what, what have you got to lose in trying something new? I think we've – Driven that point in the ground here. Yeah, because well, well, Kentucky managed that game beautifully, I think. But by getting ahead, yeah. it was able to then spread the field, but keep the power run going. It's easy get to manage off, it get when some they one-on-one give you seventeen yeah, points. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't make a misstep, basically. And I, I'll say this too: to further that point, though, I mean, what now that the Kentucky game has been lost for Tennessee? Look at what's out there for them the rest of the way. Arkansas looks like a tougher game now. There's no guarantee you win that one at all. Uh, Auburn is looks like maybe an easier game than we thought going into the year. That's a true toss-up, I think, right now. And then the other winnable game is, is Vanderbilt. All the other games you're going to be underdog against Alabama, against Florida, and against Texas A&M. So if, unless you pull a pretty big upset, five and five looks like the best-case scenario for Tennessee. And that's if um, you start scoring a lot more points. Yeah, so so not to say what's the downside because the downside is you lose to Auburn and Arkansas too, and it gets pretty pretty bleak. But th- there's less downside now. You're you're past the point of the season. You're almost past the point of the season where you have the uh, a lot of the more likely wins. You, you're into this part of the schedule where you can maybe take a chance on on playing a young guy like this. And I think this week is almost a good spot to do it. Uh, the more I've thought about this, you know what. The, the traditional thinking, I think, is, you know, throw your veteran out there against Alabama. You know, don't get your young quarterback killed against one of the best teams in the country and, and make the change in the open date and give, give him two weeks to get ready for the next game. That, that's, that's what conventional thinking would lead you to think. But also, you know, Alabama's defense is not – this isn't the Alabama defense of old where you're just fearing for your quarterback's life necessarily because they're so dominant. Um, Alabama's still good, but this isn't that kind of world-beating defense. Still one of the best corners in college football. Still an absolute stud yeah. inside linebacker. Still some big guys up front that are going to give you problems. But, but as far as worrying about a quarterback getting injured because he's going to be getting bludgeoned all night behind the, uh, you know, it, by a dominant defensive front, maybe not quite that way like it has been in the past for Alabama. And it's a, it's a good test. It's a good opportunity to see what you have in somebody. And it's better than throwing a guy out there for the first time in a real full start on the road in a game you've got to win against Arkansas in three weeks. So I, I think that is, uh, I think that is an argument for making a change now. If you if you're even thinking that you might make a change after Alabama, go ahead and do it. That's that's where I'm at on this. I, and I know Tennessee's fans have. I'm preaching to the choir on this. I get it, but uh, that, that's I, I've convinced myself there's no reason for them not to make a change. But at the same time. Again, the evidence we've heard so far doesn't lead me to think they're leaning that way. So this week is going to be fascinating. But I, I know Tennessee fans can't be loving the comments they've heard so far uh, about how Tennessee might handle this. Well, it also means that he may just be doing some gamesmanship. We don't. We don't. Could we're be. not going to see practice this week. We don't. We yeah. don't really know. And we've seen that Garantano can come off the bench. We've seen him do it. He sometimes played better football coming off the bench. So maybe coaches being creatures of habit. Maybe they go that route again. It's possible. It's possible. A lot to discuss this week, guys. A lot going on. Anything else that either either one of y'all wanted to bring up and uh, I did not uh, bring it to the discussion? Anything? Uh, you know, t- Tennessee getting a couple offensive linemen you know, back this week, I think at least noteworthy. Uh, if, if, if it's as positive as Jeremy Pruitt made it sound like it might be, you know, for Jerome Carvin, sounds like he might be back uh, this week after not, not being out there the last couple games. And then Wanya Morris, who was banged up Saturday, you know, he Pruitt made it sound like he he could be back Saturday, and at least uh, at least is maybe tracking that way once he gets some treatment for the next few days. So that's that's noteworthy news when your offensive line is a big part of the picture. So that, that's that's at least worth noting that, that came out of Monday's press conference. I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wes. Pat's not even saying thanks. He's put his hoodie up back there behind Zoom. He's not coming back out to play. He's done. He's mailing it in. He's packing it in. He saw enough on Saturday. Saturday threw him off. He's done. Throw in the towel. You can find all of us on social media, guys. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown over there in his hoodie is P. Brown 24-7. Ryan Callahan behind his uh, blank screen is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, who 
Thank the Good Lord is not here is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want Tennessee news, just Tennessee news, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also uh, you can also go to Facebook at facebook.com slash govals247. Or if you want the best, just the absolute best coverage of Tennessee football on all of Al Gore's internets, go to govals247.com. Got a great new promo this week. Two months for one dollar. One dollar, Bob. One dollar, Bob. Two months for one dollar. Guys, pretty good deal. And if you're already a member and you're paying us full price, remember you get access, uh, complimentary access to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform. You already know everything that's on there. Tons of good stuff on there. Uh, so if you're not a member, come try us out two months for one buck. If you are a member, take full advantage of it. Take full advantage of it, even though it's still a cheap rate. We'll also give you a $100 annual value for free every single year. And if you don't know everything that's on CBS All Access, you should check it out because there is a bunch a bunch of really good stuff to watch on there. Uh, if nothing else, guys, no major breaking news, which we all know is always possible at Tennessee. Uh, you'll hear from us by Thursday at the latest. Maybe before that, but by Thursday at the latest. So until then, stay safe out there. Keep doing your job, wearing your mask. Be safe, and uh, we'll see you soon. See you.